Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Pacific Code Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 188. I don't know why, but 88 is just such a beautiful number. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, Flaming Hot Cheetos was his lunch every day during the 10th grade, yikes, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you didn't know already, one of my favorite numbers is 88 because that's how many miles per hour you need to go in order to time travel, and so the flux capacitor does its thing. But anyway, I'm a huge Back to the Future geek. Any reference opportunity I have, I take it, so thank you for that. Now, today is a really important episode because I think a lot of you who may be struggling with monetization or looking for a different method of doing it other than just selling information products or getting sponsors, this could be the next best thing for you or the best thing for you, and we're gonna be talking about a platform out there called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Uh, patreon.com, which is essentially a way for you to collect recurring funds from your fans based off of the creation of your content. So it's essentially recurring funding for artists and creators. So if you have a podcast, if you do any music, I mean, you name it, there's a lot of different kinds of people and companies and uh, groups who are making money uh, in a a recurring fashion through Patreon. And we're going to be talking with two people today, Jack Kant, the founder, and we're also going to be talking about uh, about this with Tom Merritt, somebody who is a user of Patreon, who's generating uh, at the time I recorded the interview between five and six thousand dollars a month from his fans. And I think that's the cool thing about this: you're not selling information products, you're not uh, you know hitting them hard with that, but you're saying, "Hey guys, if you want to support what I do, if you love what I do, go ahead and pledge." The, there's different levels, sort of like Kickstarter. People can choose to pledge different amounts, and you can give them access to different things as a result of doing that. But Let's say, for example, you have a podcast and you're struggling to monetize, but you have a, an amazing raving fan base. And uh, if you get 100 people to pay you $10 every time you come out with an episode and you come out with four episodes a month, you've generated $4,000, if my math is correct. And uh, it's sort of a way for your audience to give back to you 
for you providing value to them, but also uh, it, it allows you to potentially get rid of sponsors, which can interrupt the show every, every once in a while. And it, it makes your audience feel great to support you in that way. And uh, it's kind of cool. Every time you come out with a piece of content, you, you get you know you're going to get paid for it, and it's going to allow you to be more motivated to make sure that you come out with that content, of course, and also make it even better for them too. So. Like I said, we're going to talk with the founder, Jack Hunt, talk all about this platform, how it got started, and tips for people who are just starting out. But also, we're going to talk with Tom Merritt, somebody who is a user of this platform who's doing very well, and some tips for those of you who might be interested in it too. So without further ado, let's get right into the first part with founder of Patreon.com, Jack Kant. Hey, what's up, everybody? Pat here with Jack Conti, the CEO and founder of Patreon.com. Jack, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Pat. I'm great, man. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be an epic show because not only we're interviewing you, but we're interviewing one of your users who's been very successful using your platform. Uh, so this is going to be great. Now, really quick, can you tell us what Patreon is for those of us who don't know exactly what it does? Yeah, Patreon is uh, ongoing support from fans to creators, people who make stuff for the internet blogs and podcasts and videos and music and web comics. It's a way for fans to say, hey, I love what you do. I want to become a patron. It's like true patronage. You can actually become like a patron of the arts and support somebody, give them five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Um, but it's, it's recurring payments between a fan and a creator that they support. Where did you get this idea I got it from staring at my YouTube dashboard for far too many hours, seeing a million views and $166 of ad earnings and just feeling like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So you used to do YouTube stuff. Yeah, I still do, actually. I mean, my, my band for the last two years has been releasing one new video every month. And, uh, you know, I'm making my living still, actually, as a, as a creator on Patreon. I'm not taking a salary as a CEO. I'm, I'm you know, using the product and, and making my living as a, as a YouTuber. That is so cool. I, I didn't even realize that you were generating an income, that you were making a living off of the own platform that you've created for yourself. Yeah, that, yeah. That's awesome. So w walk us through how you are doing that? Like, what is that? If somebody wanted to, like, say, say somebody was watching your video, your, your like a music video on YouTube, and they found you, how, how are you pitching that? And then walk us through that experience of actually yeah. making this happen. Sure. So at the end of the video, Natalie and I, Natalie's the other half of Pompamoose, the much prettier, less bald, more attractive <laughs> and talented half of Pompamoose. Um, so at the end of the video, you know, we get up and we say, Hey, everybody, uh, we're making videos. You know, we know that you like them, you leave comments and you, you, you know, you uh, favorite it and you leave, you know, uh, views. And um, we know there's community around at work. If you like our stuff and you want to become a patron, you know, you can help support more videos just like this. Um, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash And then when they go to that link, when they go to patreon.com slash we've got a page up there that explains what Patreon is and what we're doing and where the money goes and, um, you know, what our, what our life is like. And, and people can become a patron of us right there on that page. When they click become a patron, they enter their credit card info. Um, and you basically sign up for a pledge amount of your choice, a buck per month, two bucks per month, 10 bucks per month. We have some folks giving a hundred bucks per month, actually 1% of Patreon's payouts to creators on the whole is a thousand dollar pledges. So some folks pledge a lot, but then the, the person basically, you know, becomes a patron confirms and, and then they're, they're, you know, set to, to give that creator a, a buck a month or, or whatever it is that they chose. And then the creator you know, every time they release a work, if they're doing a per creation campaign or every month, if they're doing a monthly campaign, gets a regular 
stable, reliable income that they can use to estimate how they're doing and hire people if they need help or, um, you know, get an accountant so that they can focus on writing while their while their accountant does their business management, you know, whatever it is that you need. Um, I think presenting that vision to your fans just sort of helps them understand, like, you know, where is this money going? Why am I giving and, and how is it helping? Yeah, you know, it reminds me of that article from Kevin Kelly called A Thousand True Fans. That's it, man. You know, and, and it's like I, I love that article because it just puts into perspective that, you know, if you had a thousand fans paying you a hundred dollars a year, you have a six figure income already. So you actually don't need to build something that everybody in the world uses. You can ha- build something that particular sub market potentially of a sub market of a sub market would use. This is like the vehicle potentially that could make that happen, especially for people like artists and content creators and musicians and the like. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so first of all, Kevin's, you know, a a genius. I think that article called it years and years and years, uh, in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the thing about Patreon that is, is that makes this possible is there are lots of fans who spend a hundred dollars a year on a creator, but they spend a hundred dollars a year on really low margin, uh, forms of revenue for the creator. So what I mean by that is like if a creator sells a t-shirt and their fan comes out of pocket 25 bucks for the t-shirt, you know, the creator may only make 5% of that, you know, maybe, maybe they're, or, or, you know, whatever, even less, the creator may be making, uh, you know, pennies on a dollar Mm -hmm. for a t-shirt sale, or if it's, you know, a CD, you know, then, uh, it's a, it's a different margin. The, The point is, most creator businesses were sort of low margin businesses, especially merchandise businesses. Right. You know, creators ended up at the end of the day. So even if you got a, you know, a thousand fans paying a hundred bucks a year, if you get 5% of that, it's just not enough to make a living. And with Patreon, when a, when a fan pledges, you know, a hundred dollars, creator gets to keep 95% of it. So I think the thing that makes it possible is just this really high margin revenue for, for creators, just speaking from a purely business perspective, it's just it's money that you get to keep as opposed to money that you have to spend on the stuff, which really isn't why the fan wanted to support you anyway. The, a lot of the time when fans buy things, yeah, sometimes they want the stuff and it's nice to wear the T-shirt because it gives you a sense of identity. But ultimately, I mean, how many times have you heard people say, like, I, I listened on Spotify, but then I bought the album because I wanted to support the artist? Like, I hear that probably on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I think what people don't even realize, that's a really low margin way to support an artist. I mean, the first time I heard Patreon uh, or of Patreon or about it, I, I was like 50-50 on it because, you know, I think a lot of people might feel like this is a form of internet panhandling, you know, so like the tip jar, like, you know, that sort of thing. Obviously it, it's, it's not now that I've learned more about the platform, learned about how people have used it. I don't feel it's that way, but how do you respond to people who feel like, well, you, this is just a, a glorified kind of tip jar type thing. Yeah. I love it when people bring that up. Um, Cause I think it's like, it's a really important thing to discuss like as a society and just philosophically, like what yeah. is oh, this yeah. and what does it mean? And, and, and what I try to do when people bring it up is just remind people that actually this is not weird. <laughs> um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. About a hundred years ago, humans figured out how to record art and put it on a thing, on a physical thing, and then sell that thing to consumers. So, you know, and it's this worked with light and photography and film, you know, we figured out how to capture light onto a piece of photographic paper. We figured it out with sound 
you know, so with music, you could record it onto a wax cylinder and then mm-hmm. box up the wax cylinder and sell it to consumers. But we basically figured out how to record art onto a physical thing and then package that thing and then distribute that thing around the world and sell it to consumers for a price. So what happened then is we created billions of dollars of infrastructure around the packaging and shipping and distribution of these physical things that people could purchase. Um, and because it's billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure and so many jobs and so much energy and time and creation, most of the money then like every time you go through one stage of that infrastructure, you know, you lose money to some of the infrastructure for mm-hmm. the creator. Mm-hmm. So the creator ends up at the end of the chain with a very, very tiny amount of the of the funds that were actually spent by the consumer. Okay. That is freaking weird. Like that is a really weird system that we've developed over the last hundred <laughs> years. Like you can put your art on a thing and then and then ship it with a truck, like literally physically with a truck, you could ship it around the world and give it to somebody. That is a really weird phenomenon. What's not weird is the way art has always been made, which is patronage. Like every piece of great work that we've ever studied or seen in a history book or, you know, anything was made because some wealthy person saw what somebody was doing and said, here's a bag of coins, go do awesome things because you're awesome. I like you. Whether that's Beethoven's Fifth, whether that's Michelangelo's David, I don't care. Every piece of great art we've ever known has been made because some patron said, I like what you do. Go do more of that. That's what's normal. That's what's that's how art has been funded for thousands and thousands of years. And it's only in the last hundred years that unit sales, the sale of a physical object that contains art on it. It's only in the last hundred years that that has become the norm. So when people start saying, hey, patronage is weird paying somebody without a paywall paying for a non-physical good paying for a person instead of for stuff when somebody says that that's weird Mm -hmm. i say no it's not (laughs) like that's normal what's what's weird is this billions of dollars of infrastructure that we've developed to kind of counteract patronage yeah like you you go on a computer you sign into itunes and you have to download this app and then you don't that's how you get your music but this is actually how you can actually help somebody directly, yeah. uh, which which I think is really cool. And again, we're going to be talking with Tom in a second uh, at the second half of the show, who is, has used this for his podcast and some of the other things he's doing uh, to, to quite great success. And I think it's really cool. One of the final questions I want to ask you, Jack, is, okay, I... I still feel that the audience would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable doing like asking my audience to pay me money. Like a lot of people would feel bad doing that. I know a lot of artists and musicians who are like, no, man, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing it for the art and that that sort of thing. I get that. But you obviously need to get paid. And so how how do how do you be okay with this if 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 you're not? And and how would you pitch somebody to pay you? Yeah, totally. Okay, so. You can imagine I've thought about this one a lot, too. (laughs) (laughs) Were you doing it? So, yeah. uh, Okay. so I don't view it as asking for money. Um, I view it as letting people pay me. And and here's the here's the tricky thing. And this is hard to get used to as a creator, because I think a lot of creators, especially modern creators who aren't like super famous, they're not like Angelina Jolie. They're like, a you know, a podcaster with 200,000 followers, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're entrepreneurs and they're really attuned to the world and to like this generation of creators and, and what's happening with social media where everybody's kind of a little bit famous and, and they kind of, in general, I think a lot of creators feel like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm doing my thing and I've got some fans, but they don't feel special to themselves 
And what they forget, and I think what the, the a mistake that a lot of creators make is they don't realize the impact and the meaning that they have in their fans' lives. Mm-hmm. And this is something, because, I think because of modesty and, and just creators having an even head these days, you know, they're not they're not like mega star celebrities. They're this, this modern generation of demi celebrities because of that. They, they don't even believe that they could possibly be worth a hundred dollars a month to some of their fans. And what they forget is they are, they are worth that to their fans. And many of their fans would, would not, it's not that they would support because they feel like they should, or they have to, or because you ask them, they're dying to support you. They can't wait to send you money. They just want to help. They want you to make more. They want you to be, to be able to do what you're doing. And Patreon is like putting up a page that literally just lets them do that. All you're doing, you're not asking for money. You're letting people give you money if they want to. That's what it is. And that's what I kind of have to remind people as we as we talk about this. They say, ah, I don't want to ask my fans for money. I say, don't. Don't ask your fans for money. You can put up a page and just let people do it if they want to. I th- actually think that's a big just, you know, distinction. It's not just semantics. It it mm-hmm. actually is like a difference in the in the the quote unquote pitch, you know, and how creators sort of perceive themselves and how their fans perceive them too. So so yeah, that's a that's a big one and I think it's really important. And I actually think it will become like more and more commonplace as creators realize like, oh my gosh, there's a large contingent of my fans that wanted to support. I mean, how many times I'm sure this happens to you and, and to everybody listening right now, like how many times do you go on the internet and do you see something or read something or listen to something that just moves you and just makes you feel glad to be a human and makes you feel less alone in the world and makes you feel excited and inspired. And, and it's coming from somebody who does that for you on a regular basis. Like, like that's worth everything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I, there, I can, I have a dozen creators at least who do that for me on a regular basis. And it's not a matter of acting when they ask me to pay for them. I just want to pay them. Yeah. I just want to give them money <laughs> so that they can keep doing that. So that's kind of how I feel. I love it, Jack. Dude, thank you so much for the intro to Patreon and and, and your thoughts on it. I, I fully agree with its power as a platform to really make a connection between a creator and his or her fans and vice versa. So we're going to talk with Tom uh, in just a sec, but I just want to say thank you again, Jack, for uh, what you've done here, creating a platform where, I mean, people are making a living off of what you've created, including yourself. So uh, well done and, and congratulations. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. All right, I hope you enjoyed the first part of this particular podcast episode with Jack Kant, again, the founder of Patreon.com. And now we're gonna get in, into an interview with Tom Merritt, who is a podcaster in the tech space who is using Patreon with incredible success. And we're gonna talk all about it and how he got started and the benefits of using it and also some tips and tricks for those of you who are going to be using it too. So let's get right into the interview. Part two of this podcast episode with Tom Merritt. Here we go. Hey, everybody, what's up? Pat here, and I'm here with Tom Merritt from Daily Tech News Show. He's a podcaster. He's up on Patreon. We're going to talk to him about everything that's going on with that. But first of all, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Pat. This is great. This is awesome. So tell us, before we get into the Patreon stuff and talking about your success on it and kind of tips for people who want to get started on the on the platform, tell us kind of how you got, what, what were you doing before uh, po- being a podcaster and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I got into podcasting in 2005 uh, when I was working at CNET and mm-hmm. it was brand new. It was something we wanted to try. 
And I had been working at CNET for about a year. At that point, I'd worked at Tech TV before that. So I was very interested and I've always been interested in covering technology and playing around with new technologies. And I really loved the idea of being able to take control of the distribution of your audio. So we, we did a podcast at CNET for several years called Buzz Out Loud. Uh, a few years later, 2010, I moved on to the This Week in Tech Network. I worked for mm -hmm. Leo Laporte for a few years. And then in 2013, at the end of 2013, I went independent. And uh, that's when I started Daily Tech News Show. I had already had a couple of shows going and I started a couple more shows uh, independent and brought everything under my own control. Love that. So Daily Tech News Show, that's what people can type into iTunes to find you and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and if you go to TomMerritt.com, you can find uh, I, I do way too many podcasts to mention them all, but I do a bunch of others as well. <laughs> awesome. That's T-O-M-M-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. Now, tell us when you were first introduced to Patreon and what your initial thoughts of it were. Yeah, I was doing a show called Tech News Today at the Twit Network when I first read about them on TechCrunch and I opened up uh, an account and started a page with the idea of maybe taking one of my independent podcasts at the time and funding it that way. And I kicked it around with my co-host and we decided not to for that particular project, but I was really interested in what Jack was doing with Patreon and that idea of going directly to fans and providing a, a value for value model. Uh, Adam Curry, the No Agenda podcast, had been doing something similar, mm -hmm. except without Patreon, just kind of rolling it himself and saying, I, I'll handle all the processing. I'm lazier than Adam. So I was, <laughs> I was intrigued by this idea of having a service like that. And then when it was time to go independent in December 2014, my friend Brian Brushwood, who I was co-hosting a show I do about cord cutting called Cord Killers, Mm -hmm. said, well, when we take our show independent, why don't we use Patreon? Because he had heard about it. And I said, oh, right. I remember that, uh, that service. He was really excited about it. And so we launched our Patreon. It went gangbusters. It was incredibly successful at funding that show. And when I got a couple weeks into Daily Tech News Show in January, I realized that if what I was seeing from Cord Killers was right, which was a weekly show and, and had fewer downloads than Daily Tech News Show, that I could make more by asking the fans to fund the show than I would get from a normal CPM. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing. I'm on your page right now, and I'll link to it in the show notes for everybody. But I see for Daily Tech News Show, you have 5,003 patrons. So congrats on getting over 5,000. Um, and $16,048.53 per month. So that just is money you know that's coming in because you've had people say, I'm going to pledge this month much per month for, for these episodes that you come out with. How, this is such an incredible business model, and I think it's going to open up a lot of people's eyes to what's possible out there. How, what are your thoughts on this now? Like, it, How incredible is this? Well, it's great. Uh, I was blown away when we got to $5,000 a month that I could actually pay my producer, uh, Jenny Josephson, who had been helping me get the show off the ground. And what this has done and what I have done with it is take, you know, just enough that I need to be able to be worth my time and bring in other people so that we can make the show better and better and hopefully provide more value as more people give us value for the show. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that I've learned with Daily Tech News Show is there is, you, there is a psychology to this. Weekly shows are going to make more per episode than daily shows. Uh, I do a monthly pledge for Daily Tech News Show because I think it'd be a little too much to tell people to pledge every show for 20 right. shows a month. But there is a psychological aspect of that where I notice that with Cord Killers being weekly, we, we do make a little more per episode, but then you're not, you're not actually making as many shows there. Right. Uh, 
but but overall, that's that's just that's the quibbly numbers stuff. Uh, we have enough to fund a show in a way that I couldn't otherwise, and very important for a news show, keep it free of commercial influence. Now, there are other patrons I do where we ask patrons to support the show, but we also still take advertising. Uh, This Daily Tech News show, we don't because it's really important to a lot of people in our audience that when we're covering news, that it's uninfluenced. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. one way to make sure that it's uninfluenced is to say, okay, if you can fund us at this level, we set that level at $10,000 a month, that will be enough to meet what we would normally get as as a CPM so we will we will forego ads. You will become the direct funders of the show. And that makes people feel more invested in the show and they're more willing to continue to support it for that reason. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I just pulled down the drop down menu here that says milestone goals that you've achieved. So I see the $10,000 per month mark ad free. And then you have another contributor coming in at $13,000 per month and then another one at 16000 And then you have ones coming up or you have a video feed at $20,000 per month. So it's almost have a, it almost has sort of a Kickstarter campaign situation going on here where people are pledging and then there could, there's these sort of follow-up, uh, I forgot what they call them on Kickstarter, but kind of stretch goals, I guess yeah, you could right. say. Yeah, stretch goals. Um, which, is, which is really, really cool. So you're getting and bringing your fans together and they feel like they're having a better way of supporting you. Now, my, a couple questions here. You said you had launched with gangbusters and how were you able to do that? Were you just, were you just like, Hey, here's my link go. Or what did, was there a process for you for doing that? Yeah. I'm lucky enough, as I mentioned, to have been doing this for a while. So I built up an audience at, at CNET and at twit. And so I had enough people who were interested in seeing me do something and seeing me do something new mm-hmm. that I think I, I benefited from that. But the other thing was making sure that people knew that this is the way the show was going to be funded. I did several Google Hangouts that were just open Q&As in the early days to explain to people why I was doing it this way, take questions from people like, wait a minute, is this begging? You know, why are you doing right, this? Right. Uh, why, why do you need my money? And and so I got a chance to explain to people that what usually happens, and, and this is not a criticism of this model, but what usually happens is an advertiser pays me to make my content with the hope that the audience goes out and spends money on their product. And so some people will go and spend money on that product and get that product and some people won't. And what I said was, we have the opportunity here for you to spend less money than you would on that product directly on the show and make sure that the show happens. So it's actually a more efficient model and you don't have to rely on somebody else being convinced that they want to buy something else uh, and and you get a show out of it. I think that's a Perfect explanation. Uh, and, and I think that right there has already taken a lot of the doubt in people's heads that they're thinking as they're hearing this story. But of course, you had an audience already. And do you have experience with kind of seeing other people come on in the space, fairly new, other podcasters, other artists, for example, who have started you know, nearly from scratch or just kind of they're in their beginning era of their business? And are they finding success as well with it? Yeah, one of the things that me and a few other podcasters did at the beginning was create a community space. We call it Diamond Club. Long story behind that, it has to do with one of the other shows and and their joke about you know the special club that their their fans were in. <laughs> uh, but we created DiamondClub.tv. Uh, there's a chat room there. There's a way for the people in the audience to be able to get on and stream their own shows. And so a lot of them saw what we were doing on Patreon and started to start their own Patreons. And they've been a varied success. Uh, you know, there's certainly people who start shows and either they fizzle out or they just don't get the momentum that folks had wanted. Others are maybe not getting the huge amounts of money that would turn it into a business for them, but they're sustainable. And if they're doing it in their spare time, this is something that 
at least pays them for their hobby mm-hmm. and possibly could lead to something in the future. And a few of them have taken off and, and have really turned into to great stuff. One of, one of my favorites is Alpha Geek Radio, which is a sysadmin who really wants to create a way for podcasters to stream audio and video easily on the web. And he has created Patreons to support that, which is almost a B2B model. Yeah. Uh, he wants the people who will use his product to back him on Patreon to support it. And it's working. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And then in terms of, okay, so you launched this, it's going well. How are you continually promoting this? How are you asking your audience, maybe people who come in the future or who, people who haven't pledged yet, how are you kind of asking them to continue or to start promoting or uh, yeah. pledging, sorry? I mean, most most of the stuff I do is in-show because I figure if, if I want to get people to listen to the show without asking them to give money. And then once they like the show, then I can say, hey, if you like this, this is how you support the show. Perfect. I will do some social media on Twitter and Facebook as well. But mostly it's me on the show saying, hey, thank you to the people who support the show. I explain the value for value model regularly so people understand, look, the reason the show exists is because enough of you think it's valuable. If you think it's valuable, all we ask is that you give a little bit of that value back. Here's how you can do it. Uh, We have Patreon. We also have a PayPal donation. Uh, We have a store for people who are like, well, I can't really justify just giving money for, you know, whatever reason. And we try to make it... uh, so that whatever financial situation you're in, you can support the show and not feel guilty that you're free riding on it, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just telling people about the show and helping spread the word. And then the other thing I do to, to promote it was not my own plan. People just started sending me little audio clips of them saying this show is supported by viewers like you. You can support it at patreon.com. Wow, that's and cool. I started playing them at the beginning of the show. And as I played some of them, more people started sending them. Uh, and in fact, Jenny and I were just talking the other day how we've got enough of them now that we probably should create a standard so that we know, <laughs> you know, there's a limit on time and everything. But it's something that the audience just created on its own. That's amazing. That That's so cool. So uh, from your perspective, what, what is it like to know that your audience is here and they're, they're the ones that are supporting you in the show? It's fantastic. I I, I can't imagine ever doing a show without the supportive audience. I call them the smartest audience in the world for many reasons. It's not just the funding. I rely on the audience. I read viewer emails every episode and I rely on the audience to inform me of things that I don't know because I'm sort of an analyst more than a journalist. I'm looking at the news of the day and trying to put it in context based on my own experience. Mm -hmm. But we will get people who are involved in uh, customs or involved in agriculture writing in and saying, oh, you know what? You talked about that drone story. Well, I'm an ag pilot and here's my perspective on it. We get airline pilots talking to us all the time about very technology. And so that makes the show better because they contribute there. I have a live chat room that goes when I record the show and people are listening in as it's streaming live and contributing that way. And and I can see audience reaction and that helps me kind of understand how I'm going with the show. And then to add on top of that, that they're, the, they're our boss. We, we have 5,000 bosses on the show and they, they're in charge of the show and then they're invested of the show just makes it feel like it really is more and more a group effort. Man, I, I love that. You do a really good job of explaining. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, this is this is fantastic. I think a lot of people's gears are spinning right now. So I just want to say, you know, Tom, again, thank you so much for the inspiration and the wisdom and, and, and kind of the tips here. Any final tips for people in terms of, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure there's some 
more strategic nuances to, you know, being successful with Patreon. I, I noticed here in the paragraph that you have on your daily tech news show, uh, you, you kind of break it down to how much it is per show. You know, you say 25 cents a show or $5 per month, for example. And in some of the pledges, you give away other things like you say you supply a template to make business cards or, um, you know, you get analyst level access. And, and again, this has a lot of tastes and, and nuances like in Kickstarter. It, are there any strategies that go along in, in those lines that people can, you know, maybe they're saying, yes, Patreon, I'm going to try it out. What's one or two things they could do beyond just saying yes to it that they can make it work for them? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, my experience is going to be different than everybody else's, obviously. But for what it's worth, what I have found is no matter how you're making money, whether it's on advertising or you're doing something like Patreon or Kickstarter, the biggest thing to remember is that you're making content that people like and you have to you have to prioritize that first. That has to be the thing that you're you're making your centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And then when you're doing the fundraising or you're doing the appeal to people, you can point to that and say, look, this is what we're making. We're working really hard to make it the best in the, in, we can possible. And one thing I learned from Kickstarter is that you don't need to add more content on top of that in thanks for funding. Uh, if people really value the main thing that you're making, whether it's music or podcasts or whatever, uh, they'll be happy enough to fund it. And so you want to make the rewards for backing you more creative, easier for you to deliver and and not mm-hmm. devaluing your product. I mean, one thing I ran into in Kickstarter was, oh, okay, we're going to make a, a series of videos. But if you back us at this level, you'll get a book. And if you back us at this level, you'll get posters. Right, right, and right. It turned into a merchandising I hear that's uh, very business, common. Yeah. Right? And and so what I've done with DTNS, with Daily Tech News Show, is is really try to make them things that show appreciation for the audience that they couldn't get otherwise, like like business cards, like a business card template that says, "Hey, you're a, you're backing us at a level. You get to call yourself co-executive producer." It shows appreciation. We totally mean it, but it's not trying to replicate content. Uh, it's not too difficult to provide. It doesn't weigh people down themselves, uh, and and it keeps that conversation going. People really like it. And you can get a lot of these kinds of ideas from your audience and find out, okay, what do you guys want? And I guess that's the last thing that I would say. The last tip is keep in communication with the folks that you're asking to help support your show and make sure you know what they like and how they like it. And we do that in various ways, sometimes through the chat room, sometimes with hangouts, with Q and A's, and sometimes with surveys, but just keep listening. Is there a way to message the pledgers? Are your patients? Yeah, we. I used Patreon a little bit like a newsletter, and a newsletter is a great idea on its own. You should have an email list, absolutely. Of course, of course. And Patreon can be like that as well. So one of the rewards for backing at the $5 a month level is early warning access. And what I do is every time my producer and I meet and talk about the future of the show, we take notes and anything that isn't sensitive, we put in in an email that goes through Patreon to those backers and says, hey, here's what we're planning. And sometimes we'll get these amazing comments on those posts on Patreon that let us know what people are thinking about that, what they're most excited about. And that helps us to make decisions down the road as well. Very cool. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find out more about you and listen to your show and all that good stuff? Well, thanks, Pat. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, TomMerritt.com, as you mentioned, T-O-M-M-E-R-R-I-T-T.com has everything that I do all collected together. And if you're interested in Daily Tech News Show, it's at DailyTechNewsShow.com. There you go. Everybody, check out Tom. Thank you so much. And uh, all the links will be in the show notes. Thanks. All right. I hope you enjoyed that second part with Tom Merritt. Again, you can find him at TomMerritt.com. 
patreon.com. You can probably get connected through his Patreon on there, or you can look him up on patreon.com too. So again, thanks to Jack, Tom, for coming on and sharing uh, all this information about a brand new platform that I've just gotten to learn about, and I, and, and I wanted to share this with you because this could be this could be it for you guys. So looking forward to seeing how uh, all of you respond, and actually, if you wanted to respond and also get all the links and resources mentioned in this particular episode, just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 188. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 188. You can get all the links. And uh, I'd love to hear from you and see what you think. And if you use Patreon, I'd, I'd love to hear your experience too. And I think everybody else in the audience would love to hear your experience with it as well. I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because I, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something. There's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Let me know or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time. So check it out. Thanks so much. I also want to just tease the fact that uh, my book is being worked on, and I'm really excited because it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. I've been working on it for the last year essentially, and I've been working with a lot of people to help me make it great. And I'm really excited to share it with you in the next upcoming month. Uh, you'll likely see it come out at the beginning of the year, but you will see some buzz going around about it and uh, some some things you could download and check out beforehand. And I'm not even going to mention any links right now. I just wanted to plant that seed for you because uh, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. Just make sure you follow me on the blog, smartpassiveincome.com or on Twitter at Pat Flynn, Instagram at Pat Flynn, all those different places. You'll eventually see it once it's ready to come out because uh, it's, it's going to be amazing and it's going to help a lot of people too. So thank you so much for all the support. I appreciate it. And I look forward to serving you in the next episode where we'll be talking with uh, a man who's been doing entrepreneurship for decades and uh he's he's had a lot of experiences and a lot of truthful things to, to share that are going to help you move forward with your business too no matter what level you're at so until then keep moving forward keep making mistakes and learning from them and uh can't wait to see you in the next episode thanks guys take care and again the show notes are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 188 Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, 
setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.